0: I want to have a discussion for a few minutes today. Uh, In some ways, I want to have an argument with myself as we discuss symbols over systems. There are are a lot of symbols of racism and bigotry coming down and a lot of symbols of anti-racism going up. I actually think that's a good thing, and I'm not here to demean it. But I also know that what we're really here to change are systems of racism and bigotry and inequity, inequality, uh, misogyny, sexism, uh, all of that. And so I want us to talk for a few moments about symbols, systems, and substance. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The Breakdown. The Breakdown. breakdown. The, the, the Breakdown I've had a few conversations over the past few weeks from some people whose feelings were hurt and I don't say that flippantly they they were hurt because they worked really hard on beautiful murals often street paintings that we've seen happen all over the country where where the words black lives matter are painted on american streets and often it was brilliant artists and local activists who worked on those sentiments and and on those projects only to later see tweets sometimes from people that they loved and respected and admired say like okay thanks for the paint uh we really want the officers who killed Breonna Taylor to be arrested. And they would show pictures of their murals to say like, okay, blah, 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 just arrest the officers who killed Breonna Taylor. And I understand both parties and I understand the frustration. And the truth is all of our nerves are frayed. We're all deeply frustrated. And yes, the officers who killed Breonna Taylor should be arrested. Those who Fake the warrant should be arrested. The entire systems need to be dismantled. There's a lot to fight for, and and so I get people saying like, "Damn, it sure seems like paint is widely available right now." Thanks for the paint. We actually want change, and I get it. But I I want to I want to have a bit of a debate here about this because. I think, not only do I think that the, the murals and not just the street paintings of Black Lives Matter, not only do I like them, but a lot of artists and, and local activists and organizations, what they understand, I just wanted to have a teachable moment here for, for a second, is that symbols actually inform culture. Art, obviously. Art is culture, but art shapes culture. And these murals, not just of Black Lives Matter, but beautiful murals that I've seen of Breonna Taylor, of Ahmaud Aubrey, of George Floyd, of other victims of police violence, and, and so much more of, I've seen wonderful murals of protesters and demonstrators and, and just, you know, art that is meant to inspire and provoke. Those things shape the way we see the world. And right now, I I talked about this on a previous episode. I just read a brand new study, the most comprehensive study on race and racism, uh, the most comprehensive survey, rather, on race and racism done really in almost 20 years from Wall Street Journal and NBC News, where they showed, again, that the feelings toward the Black Lives Matter movement and the feelings of Americans about the, the reality of race and racism in America is those feelings are growing in our favor. And it's not just because of murals painted on walls and, and Black Lives Matter painted on streets. Of course not. But those things matter just like confederate statues matter. And and I want to talk about that for a moment because I see a lot of people saying like, damn, like w- w- you know, confederate statues it's not even a big deal. We're here to change systems, we're here to change policies and laws. Listen. My whole life is dedicated toward changing policies and laws and personnel, the people overseeing those policies and laws. That's what we do with the Grassroots Law Project. That's what we do at real justice. That's what I'm doing, you know, most days uh, from from the time I wake up until the time I pass out at the end of the night. But those symbols, symbols of hate inspire hate. They, they undergird hate. They, they give it permanence in society. And so when all of a sudden we have a thousand memorials to men who fought for slavery, of course, those, a memorial is what you have of your hero. And when we have memorials to those who fought to keep millions of people enslaved, that's a problem. Now, is the bigger problem mass incarceration? Of course it is. Is the bigger problem police brutality? Yes. But what you need to understand is that, there, that racism is not one thing. What you need to understand is that the systems and structures and policy and personnel of racism, of police brutality, of mass incarceration, of, of systemic inequality and injustice, it's not fueled and supported by one thing. It's fueled and supported by thousands of little things. And we have to dismantle those little things one by one. Sometimes it's statues. Sometimes it's art. Most of the time, it will be policies, personnel, systems, and structures. But this country, the United States of America, and I'm, I'm mindful that thousands of you who listen to this are from all over the world, but in the United States, we are still really stuck on our, our nation, truly, has not really gotten over slavery. And we know that because in that same study, um, that really did a deep dive into how Americans view race and racism. Still, forty-seven percent of Americans say no, keep the Confederate statues. Forty-seven percent. Now that number is lower than it's ever been in modern American history, but it's still forty-seven percent of Americans, and, and it's not just those statues. People are literally out here defending the Confederacy, which again was by and large, a military that was treasonous fighting against the United States government. It was the United States government versus the Confederacy because the Confederacy wanted to keep and maintain slavery. That's what the Civil War was about in 10 seconds. okay? There are literally not thousands, but tens of thousands of books written about the Civil War, and I'm just trying to condense it down to a nutshell. but our country clearly hasn't gotten over it. We haven't gotten through it. We haven't really even worked through it. That's why so many of our policies, so many of our systems and structures, including modern day policing, are just literal descendants of slave patrols. Why mass incarceration literally is just a direct descendant from the systems and structures of slavery itself. And so when we try to start dismantling the systems, we also have to look at the symbols. Symbology isn't nothing. I know that it's easy to look at a painting, a beautiful painting of Breonna Taylor or of Black Lives Matter on, on the street and say, OK, 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 we've got all the paintings we need. Damn it. Let's change the policy. Let's hold people accountable. But what I'm saying is that they're not mutually exclusive. We need artists to do art. Okay. And we need all of us, but particularly policy experts and activists and legislators, they need to legislate. I'm saying I often get people who come to me for advice, you know, and listen, I I want artists to fight for policy change as well. Okay, I want that. But I really, really want artists to do art that makes us think, that shapes how we see the world, that makes us feel a certain kind of way. And that's what they're trying to do. And that's also what we're trying to do because memorials to the Confederacy, those are pieces of art designed to make people feel a certain kind of way. And we're saying those memorials to people who were fighting to keep millions of people enslaved, not only do they make me feel a certain kind of way of anger, but they also make people on the other side feel a certain kind of way, and it's it's pride. And it's like, your pride is pride in my people's enslavement, and that's a problem. Should the main fight we be in be about symbols? No. Should that be the main focus of our work? No. And I don't think it is for anybody. I could probably name nearly 100 different civil rights organizations, human rights organizations all over the country. And these symbols, including symbols that are offensive to indigenous people and others, it is a small part of any organization's work. Small part. All of us are primarily fighting on law and policy. I have a few more thoughts that I want to share with you. We have a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors. Let me tell you what I think might be the single most useful app on my phone. It's Blinkist. Blinkist is a unique learning tool that gathers the need-to-know information from thousands and thousands of nonfiction books, and it condenses them into 15-minute clips that you can read or listen to. Now, I love Blinkist because they highlight the main points of thousands of books so I can decide which ones I really want to read in full. But if I don't have time, I still get the main ideas. And right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go right now to Blinkist.com slash breakdown to start your free seven-day trial. And you also get 25% off of a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off of all audiobooks, which are yours to keep forever. Now, that's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist, Blinkist.com slash breakdown to get 25% off of a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. I think you'll love it. Check it out and let me know what you think.
1: Hi, I'm Amel, and I'm the operations assistant for the North Star. As part of our weekly Women Crush Wednesday series, the North Star is honored to highlight another woman of color who is using her voice to bring about change in her community. This week, TNS is excited to spotlight filmmaker and community activist, Asha K.B. Asha is the founder of the nonprofit, The Dinner Table Documentary, which partners with schools and community organizations to provide college and career readiness workshops to girls and women of color. One of the programs run by the dinner table is called Beyond the Table, an in and after school program that helps kids develop their leadership, public speaking and goal setting skills. Asha's organization has already provided events and workshops to more than 400 girls in the Brooklyn area. We salute Asha for using her platform to empower young black girls to use their voices in their communities. Be sure to visit our Instagram page at the North Star Media to learn more about Asha and why we're crushing on her and her amazing work.
0: Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. You know, it's not symbols. Or systems. It's both. And I think often when we fight against systemic inequality and systemic injustice and systemic racism, often we undervalue the role of art and culture, music, song, spirit. It's not just policy. Like, all movements are fueled by culture, including, including dance, including language. Today, I would put uh, social media is a part of culture, and and all movements are fueled by song, are fueled by demonstrations in the way we use our bodies as a form of protest, and it's not just. It's not just rewriting policy. It is rewriting policy. It is dismantling systems. But everything we do is a part of what makes all of that possible. And what I want you to consider is what is your role in helping the substance of this movement? And what I want you to understand is that for some people, Their role might be music. Their role might be song. Their role might be a mural or art. And they can protest and they can demonstrate and they can tweet and sign petitions and and help fuel the movement. Right now, I'm grateful for our brothers who are in the NBA who are saying, since we're here, I'm going to use this cultural moment of sport. I'm going to use the press conference moment to talk about Breonna Taylor. Maybe you saw the brilliant video of my friend Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers when they asked him in his press conference after a practice what he thought about something. He said, listen, I appreciate what you're asking me. but What I really want to see is the officers who killed Breonna Taylor charged and arrested and, and he said names. He said the name of Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron and said, what's Daniel Cameron waiting on? What's the holdup? And all of that is, it's, it's a way for him to use a cultural moment to advance the conversation. And all of us, I see us as, I, I see in my mind often as the problems we're trying to solve as a jar with a really a glass jar with a a really tight lid that none of us can remove. Not by ourselves at least. And Tobias Harris, he loosens the lid a little bit. The artist who does the mural loosens that lid a little bit. The people who paint Black Lives Matter on the street, they loosen the lid on the jar just a little bit. Now we can argue over who loosened it more. But all I know is that all of us are gripping that lid, trying to take it off. Obviously, protesters and demonstrators, organizers, are doing everything we can to loosen the lid on the jar of injustice, of systemic racism and inequality and of mass incarceration. But I want you to understand that it's not the job of any single person or any single type of person it's all of our job to put our hands, to put our grip on that lid and try to take it off. And we all play a part. Take care, everybody. Break it down. break, the the break, the break, the break, the break, the break. Down. break, break.